Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Let me just uh, begin by affirming and expressing my personal gratitude uh, to your church and to your pastors and commend you and them uh, to you. Your hospitality and opening and allowing us to uh, join in using the ministry center with you uh, has been a great encouragement and support and really came at a time where our church was going through some unexpected things and I was personally a little fragile and uh, your pastors and uh, your church, whether you realize it or not, has been a huge source of encouragement and it's humbling to have the opportunity to be with you this morning, and I uh, just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the ministry that you've been uh, to our church and to my wife and I personally, and uh, it is a great privilege, and it's my wife probably thanks you tremendously uh, for being around Pastor Jared and Pastor Frank and Pastor Dave. Uh, it's, not, it's not real good for me to be like on my own, and uh, so... So having uh, men that I can uh, pray with and talk with and share uh, ministry with is a great, great blessing, and I am very, very thankful for that. Today is, is Father's Day, and uh, I'm a father. You may have noticed I stood up in the, in the beginning there, and so kind of on Sundays, if your family is like ours, there's kind of one of three possible ways that you come to church. The first, I think, hardly ever happens. It's like the perfect morning. The kids get up and they're, they're happy and they're excited and they're, you know, agreeable and they eat their breakfast without spilling and, and all of that. They get themselves dressed and, you know, they, you find them at the front door praying for the family. <laughs> Secondly, you know, it's a little chaotic and uh, they, they may, you know, the spills may have happened. You're, you're hoping that your son is matching, has matching clothes and uh, that they don't get in too big of a fight on the way over or, or something like that. And then the third uh, situation is where you come to church and you're really just sitting here praying that the house is still there when you get home, <laughs> that you remembered to turn the stove off and... Uh, the bathtub hasn't overflowed with water because you left it on and, and all of those things. So I, I don't know which one of those three that you're in. I think our family's probably somewhere like between the second and third this morning. And so I'm just going to start with a word of prayer and pray uh, again for God's blessing as we come to his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this church family and God that we can be the body of Christ and that we are partners in the gospel, and that we are desiring the same things. To see Jesus be magnified, to see those that are far from you come to be your uh, children through Jesus Christ. God, we're thankful that you're here with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. We pray that he would help us to hear your voice, to understand your word, and to encourage one another in the next steps that you may have for us. 
Uh, God, help us to hear you today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a child, uh, somewhere along the way, I got interested in kind of being a, a spy agent or, or some type of agent. I, got, I read a book on the, the secret uh, service during the, the World War II and how they hid, you know, maps in their shoes and, you know, all these type of, of secret things. I had two of my best friends that lived down the street. They were twins. Their names were Joe and John. And so our imaginations kind of ran wild. We lived on a kind of out-of-the-way street and... and in Ohio, and it was a, a safe neighborhood for the most part. And, you know, we kind of had free reign of the neighborhood, riding our bikes and coming up with all sorts of uh, adventures and misadventures and imagining things. We went so far as to form a secret club. Now, you can't tell anyone because this, this, there, it, may, it may still be active. But we had a secret club, and we called ourselves the Skyhawks. And we made a little stamp, like out of a mason jar lid. We had all sorts of stuff that, that we did and, and to live out this uh, imaginary world of being, being agents. We even had a secret sh- fort or base. The house that I grew up in had a bomb shelter underneath the garage, and so it was about four and a half feet tall and just thick concrete walls and just all of that. And it wasn't really good for anything other than for little boys to go in and make up stories. But we would go in there and we would come up with our missions. And they, they usually consisted of one, of one of three things. We would think of and devise plans of how we were going to avoid my little sister. She's three years younger uh, than me, and uh, we spent most of my childhood, there was no other girls for most of it, half of it, uh, in the neighborhood, and she was bound and determined not to miss out on anything. And we were bound and determined to have her miss out on everything. So we spent a lot of time plotting and devising about that. Secondly, although we did live in a relatively safe neighborhood, our next-door neighbors were like the dreaded bullies, the Penningtons. And they had uh, all sorts of things. I don't have, I could spend our whole time together telling stories about them, but, but you know, we would battle the bullies. And by battle, I mean basically retreat, like <laughs> hide and get away from them. And then thirdly, our most significant and important mission that we would devise. We spent countless hours thinking and and plotting and working on our strategy and what the best approach would be. Is how we could could convince my grandma, who lived a few streets down the road, or a few houses down the road on the street, how she could make us milkshakes. <laughs> and so Joe and John and I would think and we would think and we'd say, is this a day that we just go in and we ask like the straightforward approach? Is it to kind of like hang out in her yard and oh, I'm so thirsty and you know, whatever the case may be. But that, that was our missions and we spent a lot of our childhood thinking about what it would be like to be 
spy agent. And obviously our, our view of that was pretty warped. It has nothing to do with, you know, avoiding bullies and milkshakes and, and those types of things. As Christians, we are called to be agents. Not to be spy agents, not to be secretive about it, but we're called to be agents of our Father, our God, God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has given us a mission. He's given us a mission to accomplish, and he has set the, the parameters of that. In the, the grand and the big scale of that, that is like the passage of Scripture, the Great Commission, that we are to make disciples. But kind of sub-points onto that mission uh, are a number of different things that we are called to do and to be. And I want to kind of think about that this morning and, and walk through it and, and we'll kind of end up kind of challenging maybe some of us as fathers as how this applies to us. But, but it's this. This is our challenge, our lesson today, that we are to be agents of grace and peace. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we are to be agents of grace and peace. And I want to think about this from uh, the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. I invite you to uh, turn or uh, reference uh, that on your app or whatever you do to follow along uh, from the book of Colossians. And I want to read our passage uh, for us together. Colossians chapter 1, starting, uh, we'll start in verse 2. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is, bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you, since the day that you heard it and understand the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now as we think about this idea of being agents of, of grace and peace, we, we notice that the reason that we are to be agents of grace and peace is because that's what our Father is like. God, our Father. That first greeting there by, by Paul, he says, Grace to you from God, our Father, and peace. It's who God is. And we, we kind of understand this, right? Like, 
we are like our fathers, perhaps maybe especially uh, those of us uh, men in here. It's the case. My earthly father, uh, I'm very much like him. He likes the Cubs. I like the Cubs. He was a pastor. I was a pastor. I am a pastor, hopefully. <laughs> Unless I go, this goes really badly. He also spent most of my childhood thinking how my grandma could make him milkshakes. So, you know, we're very, very similar. But we're called to be like our Heavenly Father. We're called to be like our Heavenly Father. And, and how do we know that our Father is, in fact, an agent of grace and peace? Well, I think this prayer that Paul gives here in verses 3 through 14 kind of highlight a bunch of things that, that show this. And I want to just kind of run through them and rehearse because we can know what our, what our Heavenly Father is like by what He's done. And these verses highlight four or so things that I think help us to see how he demonstrates grace and peace. The first is in verse 5 that he's laid up hope for us in heaven. He's laid up hope for us in heaven. And I think the hope that's referred to here especially refers to Jesus. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, is in heaven. He's ascended to be with the Father. And I think this is to remind us that, that God is, in fact, a God of peace. Because our hope that we have, Jesus Christ, is, is laid up. Is, he's with the Father. He's at the, the Father's right hand, seated. And He's in kind of a peaceful place. You know, our world is filled with chaos, <laughs> And, and we feel that on a day-to-day basis. Maybe this morning on your way, you felt that a little bit. And probably many of us have kind of a place of peace that we like to get away to. So my son Asher, he's three years old, and, and his place of peace is his top bunk. He likes to go up there, and, and he gets away from the world, and he's proud of himself that he can climb up there and... And that, that's his place, and his Star Wars blanket is up there, and, and that. My daughter has learned how she's sick. She's learned how to ride her bike in the last year or so, and you know, now that it's summer and stopped uh, the winter and, and all of that, she, her place, she'll get and ride and just ride up and down the sidewalk by our house. My wife's place of peace is, is probably, she doesn't know. I'll make it up. She's here. No. Is our back deck. The people that lived in the house before, they, they, they planted these great pine trees, and they, they rise up, and he blocks our neighbors, and you can sit out there. It's very, very peaceful, and pretend like you're somewhere else. My place of peace, I think, is like a private island in the South Pacific. I haven't gotten there yet, but uh, one day, maybe. No, but the idea of a place of peace is that it's something removed from the normal, the day-to-day. It's a place where you can go that's separated from the chaos of our world. And until Jesus comes back and fixes all the problems, our world is kind of chaotic. 
And so we think about God being a God of peace. And he says, you know what? I've got this hope for you. I've got this sure thing that's going to happen in my son, Jesus. And he's going to save you and fix all of the problems. And I'm going to keep him in heaven, as it were, so that you know nothing's going to touch him. Nothing's going to disrupt it. Nothing can ruin it. It's in a peaceful place. God is a God of peace. He does these things. The verse continues on and talks about the gospel. He's brought us the fruit of the gospel. Uh, Verses uh, 5, that you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and growing it, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and our truth. And the fact that, that God has brought us the gospel and that it bears fruit in our life is a reminder of His grace and that He's gracious. First and foremost, the gospel itself is gracious. Grace is, is receiving something that you don't deserve. We, we don't deserve the gospel. We are sinners by nature and practice. And yet, God sent Jesus and invites us to have a relationship that lasts for Him, with Him forever through His Son, Jesus Christ. He's a gracious God. And he didn't just do that, but he made sure that, that we would hear about it, that we would know, that we would have his word, the Bible, that, that, that we would understand and see it, and that, that he would provide the Holy Spirit to, to help us in that, that he would draw us to himself. He is good and gracious. And beyond that, the gospel, these verses talk about that it's fruitful. It's useful. It's, it's something that, that actually does something in our, in our lives. It brings people to faith. All around the world, these verses talk about. All around the world. This morning or today or, you know, churches are celebrating and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Every day this week, Christians in our communities and around the world in other places and in dark and dangerous places, they're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And all around the world today, people are coming to faith. In Jesus Christ. And they will this week. Perhaps, maybe even here today, someone might come to faith. Maybe a child. Maybe someone's here and has not made that decision to say, yeah, I I believe that about Jesus. And we'd certainly invite you to that call of faith. But it's, it's fruitful. It accomplishes something. Paul also says in these verses that, that it goes on and it continues to work and it's, it's bearing fruit in the life of the church of Colossae. 
The great thing about the gospel is that it's not just something that begins our relationship with God, but it is at the root of everything that we do as Christians. And it is at the the core of what brings about in us the fruit of the Spirit and and the, the life that God has called us to. God is a gracious God. Verse 12, if we skip down to that, talks about the fact that he qualifies us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Uh, The next verses, and we'll talk about them in just a moment, but uh, uh, talk about the domain of darkness. And I think that the light here talks is the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus is what we're talking about, that we are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. Now, what in the world does that mean? My wife uh, was on a flight uh, coming back from a a trip and happened to sit next to a lady that uh, at the time worked for ESPN. And they got talking. And uh, my wife always has these amazing conversations. But uh, by the end of the flight, I think she was flying from Des Moines. So it's like uh, an hour and a few minute flight. Not very long at all. But uh, she, was, she was coming back. By the end of them, they're like best friends. And she's found out uh, that uh, this lady works primarily uh, producing the NASCAR productions, uh, television broadcasts. Since then, she switched to NBC because they're airing uh, NASCAR at this point. But, but not only did she find this out, but she like, got her name, got her number, got her email address, and she said, when the race comes to Chicagoland, you guys come, and I'll give you tickets, and I'll give you passes, and, and, and actually, there's two races that are there, and you can come to both of them, we'll, we'll hook you up in that. And so we go down, and we, ch- we check in at the, the uh, media compound, and, and go, and, and we get our passes, and we were qualified to pretty much go wherever we wanted, which was, I mean, I don't know if you like auto racing. I kind of got into following it as a kid and that. But it's, like, whether you like it or it's a pretty amazing thing. Like, you go down and you're, like, five feet from these cars and, and you can't go over the wall. That would be, <laughs> but that's, but you can pretty much get that close. And all we had to do was flash this badge. We were qualified. That's the idea here. God is gracious. He's qualified us. He's given us the pass to get into Jesus' kingdom. He's gracious. And as cool as it was to go down to the NASCAR race at Chicagoland and Joliet and all that, it's way cooler to be part of God's kingdom and to be with Him forever. It's an amazing, generous gracious gift that until we experience it, we can't even understand how great it is. And we look forward to that day. Maybe Christ will come back and we can just get it all done today. That'd be great. The last section there talks about the fact that we've been delivered from darkness. That he gives us peace by delivering us from darkness. He's He's changed our teams. He's moved us. We were enemies of God, and he's brought us into his side. 
We were at war with God, fighting against Him, even if we didn't realize it. From His perspective, there's only two sides. And He has moved us into His kingdom of Jesus. And the last verse reminds us just again how this happens. The redemption that we have, the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. That we are moved into that. And so we remind ourselves that yes, it's not just something, it's not just a little greeting that Paul puts in, although it is, that grace and peace to you from from God our Father. But this is who God is. He is gracious, He is peace, and then He acts in that way towards us. So then, how do we think about, if those things are true, what what does that make us? If that's the type of father that God is, we are loved children. He provides a way for all of these things to happen. For you and for me, he loves you. We are blessed children. He is a generous and good and great father. He's not stingy. He gives these things to us. And then we are people who he has sent his grace and his peace. And that's why Paul can pray and begin his letter and say, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Because that's what God has done. He sent us his grace and his peace. And these verses highlight four of them. The whole Bible tells the story in all the different ways that he does that. But the great thing, or the... It is a great thing, but the challenging thing for us is that what God has done to us, God wants to do through us. So if God has given us grace and peace, He wants to do through us those same types of things. And so we are to be agents of grace and peace. And I would just remind us of verses 9 to 11. They talk about some of the ways in Paul's prayer here that that he mentions and, and talks about doing this. And he says this, So from the day we've heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's hard, especially maybe to be peaceful, but probably also to be gracious. It's hard to do those things if you don't know what's going on, (laughs) right? Like everything's chaotic and and falls around, uh, falls apart around us. And whether it's just kids going crazy or whether it's a job that's suddenly something different or lost or whether it's a health issue or whether... Something tragic happens. It's hard to be characterized by grace and peace if you don't have wisdom and understanding of who God is and what he's like. And so as we think about being agents of grace and peace, we need to start by reminding ourselves we need to know and to understand the spiritual wisdom and understanding of God. And that first and foremost comes from his word. We need to be characterized by, by a commitment to that. He goes on and says that you also would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, 
fully pleasing to him. Our lives are to be characterized by following him. It's not just, oh, somehow I'm privately a good follower. Privately, I'm a good Christian, but then when I go to my workplace, people don't want to be around me. (laughs) When I interact with my neighbors, you know, they even quicker, more quickly go into their garages and pull it down and, you know, don't answer the door. No, we're to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Our entire lives are to be characterized by His character. We're to, uh, to continue to increase, kind of returning here, increasing in the knowledge of God. And then we're to be strengthened with His power. That we would have endurance and patience and joy. I'm a pretty average, weak guy <laughs> on my own. And I could get upset. I can get upset. I do get upset. I'll share a story in just a moment. But, <laughs> but when God strengthens us, when we act in His power, we can have endurance and patience and joy, and it allows us to be gracious and peaceful people, even when nothing goes right. And so we remember that what God has done to us, He wants to do through us. And these are the types of things that Paul highlights in this passage. I want to share a story, kind of how this plays out or has played out in my life, and Today's Father's Day, so I'll, I'll tell you uh, a story about myself. Uh, a month or two ago, uh, my wife gets into her car to leave for work. And then I don't hear the car start. Okay? Wait a few minutes, nothing happens. A few more minutes, she comes in. The car won't start. I got to get to work. I'm going to be late. Okay, so we talk to the kids. Our kids like to imagine that they're driving places. So they go and they play, play in the car. After the story, mom's car is off limits. My daughter had taken a Starbucks drinkster and pretended that it was a key. Stuck it into the ignition. And she turned it to start the car. And the little, if you look at them, there's a little plastic circle nib at the the bottom of that drink stopper. It broke off inside my wife's ignition. What are you going to do? Right? Like, literally, I have no idea. And the good news is, later, we called a locksmith. He didn't really have any idea either. Uh, At first... Well, like, okay, just take my car. But then we remembered, oh yeah, we're having a big party. I got to run a couple errands. I got to be able to, 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 to go and do a few things. So then we're like, all right, we're going to pile all the kids into the car. I'm going to jump in. You know, the kids and myself hadn't got ready yet. Like, it was a mess. And my daughter's petrified. She knows she's messed up big. She's made mommy late. You know, daddy's not real happy and all of this. So we're going down the road, and I'm talking with her, and it was, it was like a beautiful Jesus moment, right? 
Like the Holy Spirit really helped me in that moment. And he came, and I was talking, you know, it's all right. I know you didn't mean to. God is merciful. He's gracious to us. Like, it's okay. Like, it's, don't, don't worry about it. We're going along. We're at the corner of Plum Grove and Higgins. Red light. I'm in the front. There's a car next to me. The light turns green, and the car next to me pulls over right in front of me. And what do I do? I just lay on the horn. (laughs) Right? It wasn't a a polite honk, honk, like, hey, I'm here. No, it was like a, what in the world are you doing? And just like that, my beautiful Jesus moment (laughs) had been transferred into a moment where I has not characterized by grace or peace. Hopefully, the person in the car is not one of you here this morning. (laughs) If it is, I confess my actions as sinful and wrong and ask for your forgiveness. My wife reminds me, like, hey, we know people. Like, you you got to be nice now. But that's, that's the reality. Like, we act in ways. Now, let me just do a little bit more kind of thinking about that. It's not just that, hey, I did something wrong. I didn't act in a gracious or peaceful manner. My actions revealed that at that moment, at that time, I was believing in a different God. And let me run through that real quick for you. And maybe some other time we can talk more in detail about it. We try with our church to like work through this a lot. Okay, so I'm honking, and I'm like, ah, what are you doing, you lousy bum? Like, okay? So in that moment, I'm thinking, I'm more important than that person, right? That's what I'm thinking. Like, how dare they think about or not pay attention to the fact that this is my lane? Like, the audacity. Don't they know who I am? So then, what does that mean that I'm believing? Now, this is not, this is like all like, afterwards you may have to do the work of it to think about the implications. But what does that mean that I'm believing that God has done to me? Rather than being a God who gives gracious and peace and all of that, I believe God is the type of God that fills me with, fills the world with idiots that I have to deal with. Like, he's placed all these people around me, and I get to deal with them. That's really kind of the implication of of what that, that little moment is. So then, what am I actually believing about God? If that's the type of God that he is. So rather than God being gracious and peaceful and, and that... I'm believing that God is mean and that he enjoys pestering me with idiot people. Is that the God that's in the Bible? Is that the God of grace and peace? No. So my little, like, lapse of, it's not just a funny story of, like, how my beautiful Jesus moment became something less in front of my kids it became a moment where for at least a few seconds I was believing incorrectly about God and who he is. That rather being a God of grace and peace, I was believing he's a mean God 
who likes to mess with my life and put idiot people in it. Dads, you are all probably perfect fathers, and this doesn't relate at all to you. But, like, let's think about that, okay? We are called to be agents of grace and peace with our children. And when we act in a way that's different than that, it's not just, oh, we had a bad dad moment. It's also a pretty significant sin against our Heavenly Father. And I just want to challenge us and remind us of that fact. And also the good news that these verses talk about, that we have the redemption from our sins in Jesus Christ, that we can confess and we don't have to feel guilt and and that, that we can be restored and renewed in that as fathers. If you're here and you're not a father, there's chances probably when your life is not characterized by so much grace and peace. And we could run through the same type of process. We are called to be agents of grace and peace. Because what God has done to us, he wants to do through us. And when we're not acting in that way, we're believing something differently about God. And we need to repent and turn in faith to the good news of the gospel. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.